0: You're listening to a message preached at Front Range Baptist Church by Pastor Dean Miller. It is our prayer that this message will be a help and an encouragement to you in your spiritual walk. Now, here's Pastor Miller. Finding your Bible for our Bible study, Psalm 127, Psalm 127. And again, I want to say that I'm grateful that we have such a broad uh, generational um, uh, group in these Wednesday night Bible studies because I am um, still gonna f- you know, try to finish out the summer before we get into school in the next few weeks and try to finish out some things that I planned on the home. We talked about protecting our homes emotionally. Um, I would encourage you to go back and listen to those because we live in a we live in a world today where there is so much emotional um, damage and trauma that that takes that takes place in in homes when you have broken families, you have abuse situations. I can't tell you the number of kids that I, that I talked to uh, this summer at camp who've been uh, physically and sexually abused. Um, just absolutely a generation that has been preyed upon. And uh, we want to protect our families and our homes emotionally. And I believe as parents and as a church, we have that responsibility To to protect emotionally, but then we talked about the physical health early on. We talked about protecting our home's physical health. And you know, we live in a very fast-paced, high stress, high strung society, and uh, a lot of sedentary things and and you know, fast food meals, and we want to protect our homes in physical. We want to take care of the bodies. The Bible says that we can glorify God in our body. And so we want to make sure that we're taking care of our homes physically and the physical health. People get sick. That doesn't mean that it's a spiritual problem uh, always, but, but people do get sick. Sickness happens. But we want to make sure that we're, we're managing our bodies as temples of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about that early on, some physical things, emotional things. And now, over the next couple of Wednesday nights, we're going to look at protecting our homes spiritually. And, and this is where, really, the battle rages. Um, a, a good diet plan and a good nutritional plan and exercise plan and good schedules and regimens and just guarding the things that come into our kids' lives those are all very important. But we better remember that our children are are massive players in the spiritual warfare that's going on in this world and the devil's after their heart and the world's after their heart. Moms and dads need to be after their heart. And if we, can, if we can achieve this and get some spiritual footing in the lives of our kids, then they become assets uh, on this battle between good and evil. They become spiritual warriors and, uh, and special forces. And the Bible's going to tell us this plainly in Psalm 127. And so let's look at this. This is one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 127. Let's look at it together. Accept the Lord... Build the house. And again, let me just remind you, this is one of those songs of degrees. And uh, there's been a lot of speculation about what the songs of degrees, what these mean. Uh, I personally believe that these were songs that were sung um, as, the, as the children of Israel came on their yearly pilgrimages back to Jerusalem to worship God uh, at the temple. And as they went up to Jerusalem, Jerusalem was set up in a beautiful position and as the, as the children of Israel left their tribes and they began to journey across that promised land and making their way to, to uh, uh, the temple, I believe that they sang these songs as songs of degrees, songs of heights as they reached new heights. And it's interesting that many of these psalms have to deal with the family. And as these families are their individual tents and tribes, these families are singing about the home. They're singing about the Dad and mom and kids all serving the Lord together on their way to go worship the Lord. And wouldn't that be a big difference in a lot of lives if we were all coming to church singing Instead of like, where are you? Like, we're going to be late, you know. And uh, we're sliding into our parking spot, yelling at the kids. Next time you get up when I call you. Hey, brother, how are you? You know, and then we're singing songs. Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. I'm going to kill you when we get home. That saved a wretch like me. You know know what I'm talking about. We've all been there, right? How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? Okay. All right. The rest of you, um, you're you're just lying is what the problem is. But these are the songs of degrees, all right? Accept the Lord, build the house. Now, they're, they're, they're singing this. I want you to get this in your mind. This, this, this Israelite family is leaving, is leaving the, the, the land of the north in Dan. And they're traveling to Jerusalem for to come to the, the temple of God to worship. And I want you to see this family as, as, they, as they leave their place. And they're coming down and they begin to sing, accept the Lord. Build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Think about what that's what that communicates to this family. We're going to the house of the Lord so that He can build our house. And uh, they're singing this song: Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city. The watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. Now, I've claimed that verse many times. Lord, you said you give your beloved sleep. You said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so, Lord, I need some sleep right now. And I've, I've claimed that many times. But I believe verse 2 here, and we'll talk about this in the, in the weeks to come, but this is a materialistic verse. This is a verse about the materialism of the society that people get up early in the morning, they stay up late, they're burning the candles at both ends, they've got to get, they've got to have, they've got to get, and at the end of the day what do they have? Um, And so he said it's vain for you to rise up early, to to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, to get all of these things that you think are going to satisfy you that don't. What good is it to sit in a a massive mansion and drive a, a, a beautiful vehicle and to have all kinds of Uh, flat screen TVs and all the toys and bells and whistles in a home where there's no love and there's no peace of God and the children don't love the Lord. There's a lot of sorrow in very nice houses, isn't there? There's also sorrow in very poor houses because they wasted their money on riotous living and didn't care for their children and they lived according to their lust and their own whims. Uh, so he, God's not chastising those who are rich, but he is saying, if that's your goal at the expense of your family, you're going to eat the bread of sorrow. Then he says in verse three, "Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man. So are children of the youth happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. Speaking of the children now. But they shall speak, speaking of the children now, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Dad has sharpened them, straightened them, shot them, and they've made impact at the target. And now those kids are able to speak to the enemy at the gate. They shall not be ashamed. Let me just tell you a couple of small principles about this. God builds the house. Dad and mom protect the house. They're the watchmen. Uh, that that uh, are watching over that house. Uh, Dad and mom protect the home. Dad and mom direct the children. And then the children testify against the enemies of God. And that's, that's the process. God, build our home. We're going to protect what you've built. We're going we're to direct our children. We're going to take them as mighty men. We're going to aim them and we're going to release them with confidence at the target. So that our children can stand against the enemies of the world. That's what God's desire is for the home. All right? Now, I said this before, but in a a multi-generational setting like this, it thrills my heart because some of us have already raised our children and we have our children's children. And we have opportunities, even though we've made mistakes. I can tell you right now, the mistakes that I made as a parent are abundant. I look back on things that I wished I could have a redo. But now, thank God, by his grace, uh, our kids caught some things, and they're serving the Lord. And we are going to have the benefit of seeing our children's children and be able to speak into their lives. I got to hold little Anders last Thursday, and um, I was sitting on the couch with him and holding him in that morning. I was sipping my coffee and just holding that little guy, and he was looking at me with those sleepy eyes. He hadn't seen Pops yet and didn't know me that well, and he's kind of trying to figure this guy out. And... uh, and I just just loved on him for a minute and just talked to him. And then I, I just prayed with him on that couch. Lord, thank you for, for this little guy. And I pray for him. And I ask God to bless him and protect him and that he'd get saved at an early age. And that Dad and that Pops and Nani would be good examples to him. And um, that we would always have opportunity to speak truth into his life. And, and, man, I got to just praying for that little guy and talking to him. And he put that little chubby hand on my cheek and, uh, and he pulled my face down and gave me one of them big old open mouth kisses on the side. I think he approved of Pops. He liked Pops. But he was in love with Nani, I'll tell you that. But I look at my children and I think, man, you know, we, the mistakes were abundant. They were abundant. Uh, but those of us who've raised our children and we look back at some things that we wished we could do over, uh, and God will give us opportunities now to learn, to be able to speak into our children, our adult children, and our children's children, and to other people in the church, God will give us opportunities for the elder to teach the younger. And uh, we, these are great, important truths. And so let's not be discouraged. Maybe your child-rearing days are over and you look back and think, man, we failed at that. Well, listen, uh, we've only failed if we stop, we stop moving forward the way God has called us to move. And God has given you opportunity to perhaps speak his truth into other people's lives. And so we want to make sure that we're, we have good understanding of that. And that's where I want to give us some good information and grounding that we would have spiritual wisdom, to give spiritual footing, to have spiritual homes. And so um, this psalm lays out God's intention for the family. God intended a husband and a wife to bring up children under biblical models and for those children to grow in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, this kind of home really works. The world world says it doesn't work, but this kind of a home really works. When mom and dad are in harmony with one another and they're in unity with the Lord and they are rearing their children, according to the the word of God, these homes work. Now, it takes work. you got to go home and work, but they work. Your life, your words, your actions, your attitudes, they are all either a picture of God's grace and of God's glory Or they're a picture of flesh and sin. You know that we can try to get our kids to do right in our own flesh and actually be doing more damage? Uh, I've seen seen homes that had really strict standards, and they had extreme things. and, and, And on the outset, you think, wow, those are really spiritual things. That's a really separated family. But mom and dad drove that out of a fleshly heart and with anger and harsh discipline and harshness. And really what it did, and ultimately, is it turned hearts away from from God. Because the Bible says, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Uh, this is a, the idea of a husbandman growing them as, instead of a master beating them um, and a boss lording over them. Uh, and so we want to make sure that we have the right spirit in our home, that we're, that we're modeling God's grace, that we're modeling God's glory and we're not doing this out of hearts of flesh and sin and pride. You know, sometimes parents parent out of pride. We want our kids not to embarrass us. Or we want our kids to achieve in that because, because I feel proud about that. And sometimes we force our kids to live a life that we're actually living our life through them. And that's, that's a form of pride. Well, I don't want you to embarrass me, you know, or, or you're, you're going to do this because I want people to think well of us. Well, that's, that can be a form of pride. We ought to be instilling into our kids things out of a love for Christ and a love for His grace and glory. And... Um, and, and God can produce those things in them much more than we can with our wrath and our manipulation and, our, and our, our strategies, right? God's given us the rule book. He's given us the playbook. And then he's given us the Holy Spirit to help us. And we want to model that in the spirit that God has given us. Everything in the home, listen to this, this is so important. Everything in the home is meant to be a model, a living picture of our personal relationship with our Heavenly Father. Uh, I want to tell you, our, our uh, when, when Deanna was born and I held that little baby girl for the first time, I, I, I had a whole different perspective of my parents and of the Lord, that he called himself a Heavenly Father. And the joy that my daughter brought into my life, oh, man... And the way that I loved her, I thought, man, is this the way that the Lord loves me? Well, he loves me with a love much more than that. And, uh, and God loves me with an everlasting love, right? He will not let us go. But, but, man, there's so much that we learn about the relationship of the Heavenly Father through the relationships of the home. The, the, the husband and wife relationship mirror the relationship of Christ and his church. The relationship of a father and his children mirror the relationship of the Heavenly Father and His children. And these are all models. Many times our children, they, they get their perception of God through their perception of their earthly fathers. If the earthly father is a tyrant and rager and he's, uh, he's, he's a man who, who yells and screams and quick to wrath, well, they get this idea that God's about ready to just to bring the club of judgment down on them all the time. If a dad is too passive... And he never brings any kind of discipline against sin. And they think, well, I can do whatever I want. And God's, there's no punishment. God's not going to do anything about this. And the Bible says that if a parent will, will, will discipline their children uh, while there's time and while there's hope, they can deliver their soul from hell. I, I often thought about that. How can my discipline of my children result in, in salvation? Well, because they understand the gravity and the, and the, and the, and the punishment of sin. They learn consequences and to face their own guilt. They didn't just learn that this makes dad mad. They learned this was wrong for me to do. There's a huge difference in that. When a dad stands as a righteous judge and delivers and executes righteous judgment. And the Bible tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 8 that if judgment is not carried out speedily, then will the hearts of the sons of men be fully set in them to do evil. So parents cannot be too passive. You cannot be too aggressive. And we'll talk about some of those things a little bit later. But, but, but the truth is, all of this is a model and a living picture. You're, it, that, that, that floors me that my home is a living picture of the relationship of God and his people. The, the home is the answer. In, in the ills of society, the, 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 there is so much God has encapsulated in the family that uh, is so so powerful. And and let me just make this statement. Your model speaks louder than your mouth. Many parents lose their way in this for several reasons. First of all, they get too busy. The verse 2 says we're getting up early and we're staying up too late and we're chasing after things and we're too busy to be the model parent that God wants us to be. Uh, if you're going to model things in front of your children, you got to spend time with them, right? Some parents lose their way in this model because they get intimidated at the, at the, at the pressures and, the, and the, uh, the, the, the responsibilities of parenting. They get intimidated by that. They get intimidated by their kids. You're, have you ever seen a big man afraid of a kid? I have. I've seen some big old men that were tough men that had a little girl that could just, man, she could command old dad and he'd fold. Right? You ever, if anybody ever seen parents afraid of their kids?? Yeah. Or we get proud. Parents lose their way because they get proud. They start seeing their home as um, a reflection of what people think of them. And I will tell you, kids will humble you in a hurry. And kids, will, kids will embarrass you and humble you. and you have to learn to take, take that when you're a kid. I remember, you know, my girls, my girls embarrassed me a number of occasions. Uh I had Deanna one time in a little shopping cart. You call them carts out here. We call them buggies down in the South. Uh, how many of you are buggy people? You go to get a shopping buggy. All right, good. Amen. So I have my buggy, and uh Deanna was sitting in that little buggy, and and uh she we're, we're in the checkout line, and, and Deanna said, Dad, if men have long hair, do they go to hell? And I said, well, not necessarily. I mean, it doesn't mean that they're going to go to hell, but, but it's bad, right, Dad? It's bad. They shouldn't have it. They're, they're bad if they do that. They're really bad if men have long hair. And I said, well, yeah, they shouldn't have long hair. The Bible talks about a man should have short hair. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Well, what about if they drink beer? Will they go to hell if they drink beer? And And, and I said... I said, "Well, you know, no, they shouldn't. They shouldn't drink beer, but but, but drinking beer won't send you to hell. What about if they smoke cigarettes? Will they go to hell if they smoke cigarettes? Well, so it just makes them smell like they've been there, but it doesn't mean that they're going to go there." I'm having this little conversation with my daughter. I'm like, "Why is she asking that question?" And I said, "Deanna, why are you asking that?" She said, "Is that man going to hell?" And I turn around and there's this guy. He's like six ten, long hair, got beer and cigarettes, and oh man, and uh, I was so I was so embarrassed. And uh, I was fearing for my life. I'm sorry, sir. I'm, I'm sorry. She. I, 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 this is my neighbor's kid. I'm just... I'm, <laughs> oh, man. See, if you can't laugh, you you got problems. Some, there, there's some folks in here that look like they've been baptized in pickle juice. But... But you know, parents, parents, you're going to get ba- we're going to get embarrassed by our kids. I mean, I remember one time I had a Sunday school teacher come to me and said, uh, "Hey, can you come down here to your class? You're not going to believe what your daughter did. What she do? Well, she was, <laughs> we were having snack time in Sunday school, and it, now I mean, she was only, uh, I mean, she was only like two or three years old, and they were having snack time in Sunday school. I have no idea where she got this. But they they poured all the little juice and they had the crackers, and all of a sudden she just picked up her cup and she told everybody, "No, no, no, wait, 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 wait." And she just put her finger out like this, and she started going clink, clink, and she started clinking the Dixie cups, you know. And uh, the teacher's like, "You need to come down here, your daughter. Something's wrong, you know." She's, and uh, I, I don't know where she got that. I called my mom and my dad. I'm like, have you guys? Been, what have you been teaching my kids? I called my wife's parents. And, uh, but you know, sometimes they're gonna, they're gonna embarrass you. Maybe, maybe your kid will get into a fight or something in the in, the, in Sunday school or in the in the classroom or. Or they'll say something they shouldn't say, and they misbehave, and, and uh, they're, they're going to... But, but proud parents lose their way. Proud parents. Sometimes parents lose their way because they get focused on the externals. We're all going to dress this way. We're going to look this way. I'm going I'm to make sure that we all have these externals. And we get so busy on the externals that we never get to their heart. I think we ought to have rules, and we ought to have some standards, and we ought to have some things that we do for our kids. But those ought to be an outflow of our love for the Lord and our love for each other and respect for other people rather than just be, well, what are people going to think? You know, the fear of man brings a snare. And so sometimes we get focused on the externals, or sometimes parents just get tired. It's hard work, right? Being a parent is hard work. You young people running around here, you've got all this energy. Well, you just wait one day. God's going to give you some kids like you, and they're going to wear you out. You know, when, when Michelle and I had kids, when we first started having kids, I had, I had dark hair, I didn't have any wrinkles, I had, I had strength, and now I'm, you know, I'm broken down and run over and wore out. Kids will do that to you. Uh, some parents lose their way on modeling because they get so focused on the environment. What do you mean? I'm talking about like, you know, they get so, in, the, the church, or the school, or the environment that we have them in is going to be the thing that that turns them out. Let me tell you, I've seen a lot of kids go into some bad environments and turn out right because they had godly parents at home. Um, Environment isn't isn't going to make the big difference. It's the environment in the home. It's the atmosphere in the home. It's the environment in the mom and dad's heart. And then I'll say this, that some parents lose their way with the modeling because they forget the power of the model. So, what do you mean by that? They forget. They forget that little kids are watching. And they forget the power that there is in the modeling. You know, this whole idea of do as I say, not as I do. Uh, I remember hearing the story years ago. My dad, to, my dad used to give this illustration. I think it was personal to him. My dad used to give the illustration about an old preacher years ago who was uh, an alcoholic, and he went out one night to go to the bar. And it was a really bad snowstorm, and he took off walking. And he got, he got 100 yards or so from the house going down that street. Snow was up to his knees and blowing and cold. And uh, he heard something behind him, and he turned around. And there was this little boy uh, struggling through that snow, trying to, trying to get into his dad's footprint. And he said, son, what are you doing? He said, I'm following your footprints, daddy. And it so arrested that man's heart. He, he repented, he got saved, and eventually became a great preacher because he was arrested by the idea that his son was following in his footsteps. We forget the power of our model. Um, but we're all modeling. What are we modeling? Uh, let, me, let me give you one point tonight, and then we'll break up and go to prayer. Parents can find their way to the biblical model of a home and to protect their, their family's spiritual well-being by modeling real obedience. You know, there's an old saying that he who cannot obey cannot command. And that's a great military statement. A guy who can't follow orders has no business giving orders. And the same is true for parents Parents oftentimes will demand obedience while they're disobedient. I don't know if you've ever had this happen in your life, but there were several times that I had one of my little girls sitting on the end of the bed, and I was standing over her, giving instruction. "Uh, Brianna, you disobeyed your mother. Your mom told you to do this. I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but while I was giving her, laying out for her what her sin and her crime was, the Holy Spirit was going, yeah, And Dean, let me tell you what you did. I've been dealing with you about this, and you've not been obedient. Has anybody else ever been, anybody else in here ever had that happen? While you were giving discipline to your children, God was giving discipline to you? And how in the world can I command if I cannot obey? Uh, But the truth of the matter is, uh, the parents are to model real obedience. Write this reference down. Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse number 26. Listen to this very carefully. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse, a blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord our God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside unto the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. This was the Lord saying to Israel, listen, Uh, I'm setting before you a blessing and a cursing, and that whole blessing and cursing is all predicated on whether you can obey what I've set before you to obey. And we all know what happened to Israel. Israel could not walk in obedience before the Lord. And what happened to their children? Their children walked away from God. Their children turned after idols. Their children went a-whoring after the nations around them. Uh, There was a generation that forgot God. In their disobedience, they raised a generation that knew not the Lord. You can expect failure if you attempt to do the work apart from God. Parents need to be authentically obeying the Lord. We need to be walking in obedience to God. If there is something in your life that God has been dealing with you about clearly, articulately, convictingly, God has been dealing you about this, it needs to be repented of. It needs to be dealt with in your own life. And, and you need to model obedience. There's been times in our, in our lives our kids will see things in our lives that, that are, are glaring things that are, that are outside of God's will. Uh, God didn't want us to, why are we watching that? Why are we listening to that? How is it okay for you to do that? And sometimes as parents, we'll say, well, you know, this is for the adults. You know, this is, adults drink this, or adults do this, or adults can have that. And in other words, what we're saying is when you grow up, you can be a bad sinner, but not right now. Right now, you have to obey. There's an age that you can come to where you don't have to obey. And man, that's a terrible model. That's a terrible model. Our children ought to see us walking in true, authentic obedience. Authentic, passionate, committed living for Jesus Christ should be seen in your life. It's, it's, it's interesting to me that oftentimes as, as parents, we don't realize this, but we, we, we propagate things in our kids' lives that we don't, really, we don't even realize that we're doing, uh, somebody calls and says, hey, so-and-so wanted to talk to you. Tell them I'm not here. And our, and our kids hear that. Or we make up an excuse, you know, uh, we can't do that right now. I, I'm, and and, we, and we, 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 we say it's an excuse or a reason, but our kids know that we're lying. Um, and we got to be very, very, very careful to model in front of them authentic, passionate Christian living. You know, I'll I tell you this. I, I've, seen, I've seen some Christians who, who externally had everything on the right, and they knew what everybody else should be doing, and they had the most critical spirits. You know what they found themselves doing in their homes? Tearing other things down, gossiping, complaining, criticizing. And they thought they were doing it out of earshot of their kids. And you know what their kids became? Their kids became little jerks in the youth group, always causing trouble, gossiping, always, always causing drama in the group, always feel like they're the victim, always feeling like everybody was against them. And, and you know, where did they catch that? They caught that from parents who thought they were so right that they modeled something so very wrong, and their kids caught a critical spirit from them. we got to be very careful to model a passionate authentic, committed living for Christ. You know, one of the most powerful things that ever happened to me in my life, this this met, this, this, made a massive impact in my life. <laughs> my mom, we were getting ready for Sunday morning. My mom had beautiful hair. And <laughs> my mom, when she would, when she would uh, get up and she would fix her hair, I don't know if, if this is a normal thing. I've never seen my wife do it. I don't know if it's a normal thing, but... My mom would take her hair, she would, she would blow dry it or whatever she'd do. But she would always do like this thing where she would she would do like this in the bathroom. Just like all like violently kind of throw her hair, you know, and then she'd fix it. And her hair was always so beautiful. And she just had this way of making that. And of course it was the 80s, right? So like hair had to be like. Yeah. Pfft. You know, and there was a lot of Miss Breck in the air. Okay, I can just tell you right now. How many of you remember Miss Was it Miss Breck or Miss Brooke or something like that? I think it was Miss Breck hairspray. A lot of Aquanette and hairspray in the air. But uh, but my mom was getting ready on Sunday morning, and and it was a Sunday morning. I don't know what all was going on. I was a kid. I was I was uh, my first year in the youth group. I think I was 12 years old. I was in seventh grade. I was going in the youth group and so I was going to be in the teen class and, and we were running behind and mom was I, I was, I was saying something to my mom and I was asking her about something and she was trying to do her hair and she hit her head on the counter. Bam! Well, when she hit her head, my mom was a little Scandinavian and she had a Viking temper, a Nordic temper and she masked it for the most part. But when she got hurt, boom, she hit her head like that. Well, she turned around and She got after me. Now, listen, (laughs) there were words that are just normal words in life that to my mother were terrible words. We were never allowed to say them. Um, They were the furthest thing from a curse word. But we were if we ever said it, man, we got our mouth washed out with soap. I mean, my mom. Oh, my goodness. And and so I'm I'm not going to tell you the word, but but. It's not a curse word, but it's not a, it's not a nice word. It's a, it's a slang word. Um, but my mom said a slang word. I'm tired of your... And she said the word. And I could not believe that that came out of my precious mother's mouth. I could not believe it. And I mean, it was more, it was more shocking than if she would have just smacked me in the face. It would have, it would have had less impact... She said, and I just, I could not believe it. And I walked out of there feeling so low. I brought my mother to vulgarity. (laughs) You know, like, uh, what have I done? What have I done? Man, we got in the car. We drove to church. It was like the quietest ride. My mom's up there, and I'm thinking, my mom said a bad word at me. (laughs) And it was terrible. I go into my class. I'm in the seventh grade, you know, and I'm trying to be cool in there. And, you know, I wasn't, but I was trying to be. And uh, the teacher's getting up to teach, and all of a sudden, I saw my mom at the door. and She's going like this. I remember I walked out, I thought, oh, here we go again. (laughs) You know? And my mom, my precious mom, put her hands on my shoulders, tears running down her face. She said, son, I am so sorry. For what I said, I sinned against God. I sinned against you. I sinned against your dad. I mean, she just was, and before long, I'm crying. I'm like, it's okay, Mom. It's not even a bad word. No, I didn't say that. But, but she came, and she authentically, my mother, came to me to ask forgiveness and repentance. And let me tell you something. I saw in her authentic Christianity, a love for the Lord, to admit I've been wrong, and, uh, and to say it, to say it. You know, there's, there's some that probably ought to go home and say, you know, uh, we've, we've been very critical. We've gossiped in our home. We've allowed, we've allowed talking about other people in this home, and we're wrong. We're going to pray for them. We're going to do good to them. Uh, we, we've allowed things to go on in this house that have not pleased the Lord. Uh, that, those are things that model, and our model speaks a lot louder than our mouth. And I'll never forget that. My mom modeled authentic, authentic Christianity, a passionate love for the Lord, and humility. And it went a long way, and I still can't say that word to this day. <laughs> so thank God for that.